Welcome to Global River Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoyed today's message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit globalriver.org forward slash resources. Last thing that we had a prophetic word. How many enjoyed Jennifer Costell when she was here the other night? Good Lord. She was at House of Mercy. And we, uh, it was just an amazing day. And then came that Saturday night for Night of Freedom. Well, she prophesied, and I don't know what she knew, but she said, I just see uh, like a 15-passenger van, Pastor Tom. And come to find out, LJ and uh, I think uh, it was Mike... Henderson, two years ago, had a dream and uh, shared about how when they were growing up, they used to drive into certain areas of different projects and housing developments and bring people here. So uh, I'm calling in a 15-passenger van that the church needs. We prayed for years. We needed a food truck. We got a food truck. We got, and so praise God, we've been able to make all the pickups with that. So I'm calling in a 15-passenger van. So thank you, Lord, in advance, however that's going to happen. We don't have the cash for it right now, but Lord, you can make it happen. So I thank you for that. Good. Um, also, we're going to do a, a lot. Not only is the youth doing a lock-in on that uh, September 15th and 16th, but we are doing a, a, a night to worship burn. And we're actually going to go from 7 to 12 in worship here in the sanctuary. But then we're going to sign up and we're going to do 24 hours of prayer. Um, we still have open spots in the most anointed times of that. Um, so we need, we want to have, we don't want to have anybody here by themselves. So I'm going to leave this up here at the end of service as the Holy Spirit speaks to you. If you'd sign up on September 15th and 16th for a two-hour spot, we'll begin at midnight and we'll go until 7 o'clock the next day. And that'll be 24 hours. Something happens when God's people pray. And so... All right, without further ado, you guys ready? How about this storm? Praise God that the Lord, we've been praying and interceding. Lord, it can't come to North Carolina. I remember how they were showing this track. Did you see the track this morning? I mean, I'm praying for Florida, but it goes up and it completely winds. It's, it's a track they've never seen before. It doesn't even touch North Carolina. It's not allowed to. We told Irma, you're not allowed to come here. And no way, Jose. No way, Jose. You're not coming here either. All right? So... Anyway, keep praying. There's something about prayer. Prayer changes everything. That's it, Miss Addie. Praise God. All right. If you haven't picked up uh, an outline, maybe we could have some of the the ushers bring us. Just raise your hand if you didn't get this morning's outline. I want you to pick that up um, before we dive in here so you can, can track with us. So there was this older couple, they've been married like 50 years, and they're sitting in a park bench, and they're watching these two young lovers, and they're hugging each other, and he's nibbling on her ear, you know, the young guy's nibbling his, and the, the older married lady says to her husband, how come you don't nibble my ear anymore? He goes, you see that? He goes, Okay. So he gets up to walk away. He goes, she says to him, well, where are you going? He goes, I'm going back to get my teeth. 
My wife said it was okay. She, I hope she wasn't thinking of me. I got a full set here. You know. Oh, my goodness. Oh, Lord. All right. Um, on a serious note, there's a, the message this morning is I would see Jesus. There's a, this is a really good message, I believe. And a, an older, um, when this lady had grown up, she, she reminded her children of what she had learned. She was actually, when she was really young, uh, under six years old, she was in Germany with her family. And they were going to have to drive three days to go from where they were in Europe to get to Germany. It was going to be three days, day and night travel. And so the young girl, mom and dad were driving in the front seat. The little girl was in the back seat. And uh, while he was driving the three days, she kept asking a lot of questions. She says, Daddy, where are we going? And why are we going there? She says, well, we're going to Germany, and we're going to see your uncle. She asked more questions. She says, well, Daddy, um, do you know the way? Um, Well, we have a map, so I'm going to read the map. Okay. Um, Daddy, we're going to be hungry for three days. How are we going to eat? Goes, well, there's restaurants that we're going to uh, visit. She goes, well, do you know where the restaurants are, Daddy? Goes, no, no, but we're going to find them. We'll, we'll find them. And so, on the second night, she asked similar questions about how they were going to get there and what they were going to do and how they were going to get food. And on the third night, she just calmly sat in the back seat. And mom and dad thought she must have fallen asleep. Dad looked in the rearview mirror, and she was wide awake, looking out the window, and and said, um, "Honey, are you okay? You're not asking any questions. Uh, do you know where we're going?" Yeah, we're going to Germany to Uncle's house. Um, do you know how we're getting there? No, Daddy, but, but you have a map because you're driving, Daddy. And do you know we're going to have food? Just, Daddy, you know where the restaurants are. You're going to... I just know that you're driving, Daddy. It's going to be okay. Years later, she reflected on the fact that if we can keep our focus, even when we don't know where we're going and we don't necessarily know how to get there, and we don't know the provision, if you just recognize Daddy's driving, you'll be okay. She shared that with her children, and I think it's a really good message in that, especially I've I've titled today's message, I Would See the Goodness of God. In fact, I know this is uh, confirmed uh, Ron Bertram sends out to the men's group uh, every day at around 7 o'clock. I can usually hear the ding on my phone between 7 and 7.30. And uh, it's such an encouragement. Well, I had her text him yesterday. I said, Ron, did you get a copy of my outline of my sermon? And he said, no. I said, well, y- y- you must have. He goes, well, I was going to actually put out another um, sermon and actually another uh, verse from this. And, but in fact, it was about the goodness of God. Over and over again, the revelation of the goodness of God. And there's a quote from Tozer, the goodness of God, the goodness of God, and the goodness of God. And I'm like, okay, Ron, I got it. Thank you for confirming that the Lord wants us to see the goodness of God. Um, I'd like you to turn with me, if you would, to Deuteronomy chapter 29. I want to start there this morning. Deuteronomy, go back to the first five books of the law.
And let's look at verse 29. I'm going to, the sermon I'll look between both, uh, I have a King James on the left side, and I have a parallel Bible of the New Living, which I enjoy because the King James, written in 1600s, um, in the King's English, was the first major translation available, and it's a word-for-word translation. But in our modern day, many of the connotations of the words have shifted, and so having a thought-for-thought connotation is helpful, which is what the New Living Translation is. So I usually run between both. Let me ask you to look at Deuteronomy 29.29, and it says in the King James, the secret things belong to the Lord our God. Just meditate on that. Selah, close your eyes just a moment. The secret things belong unto the Lord our God. But those things which are revealed belong unto us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of the law. See, the Lord conceals. In fact, uh, there's a scripture in Proverbs that says it is the Proverbs 25.2. It's not listed in your outline. Uh, but Proverbs 25.2 says, it is the glory of God to conceal a thing but the honor of kings to search out a matter. God's glory hides secret things. It is the honor of us as kings and priests. Remember in 1 Peter 2, you are a holy nation, a royal priesthood. Revelation 1.6 says you are a kingdom or a nation of priests and kings. Since Christ went to heaven and then release the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2. He declares you the royal priesthood. Whether you feel royal or not, whether you're behaving royal or not, you may be behaving badly, but you're not deplorable. Stealing a line from somebody else, right? So there's this sense that as the royal priesthood, we have the authority. In fact, in 1 Corinthians 4, it says, I have the mind of Christ. Wow. That works with James when he says, if you lack any wisdom, ask God who gives you freely. So when you get quiet and ask God, I don't know what to do, where are we going, I don't know the direction. If daddy's driving, I can trust that he knows where we're going and he'll give me revelation of where I need to be at this moment. And so when those secret things, now on a practical sense, let's do this. It's only been less than 120 years, right? Uh, less than 100 years, we've been driving vehicles, driving cars. 19, was it 1920? Ford Motor Company came out with the Model T. Some, nobody remembers that, I'm sure. But, um, but th- so when you think about, how about air traffic travel? But how long was truth both between gravity and aerodynamics for lift? How long did that exist? It existed in the heart of God from the creation. That's how did the birds get their wings and all. So when you look at overcoming, when you look at these planes, my wife, oftentimes we fly overseas and we're in these planes that weigh how many tons? And it's like, how can this thing get off the ground? Because there's a truth that's higher than the truth of gravity. It's called lift. And if you get the right airflow over an airline with that proper velocity, you get lift. Well, that existed, that truth existed in the heart of God from the beginning. It just said, when would that be revealed for God's purposes? So these are secret things. How many secrets 
are hidden in your life right now that God wants to bring revelation to. So I want to ask a question. What's the difference between knowledge and revelation? The difference between knowledge and revelation. Knowledge are facts, information. I've had professors, when I was doing my studies on uh, nuclear engineering, nuclear power, they had a lot of facts. In fact, I was in the largest, when I worked for Knowles Atomic Power Laboratory, I was under the same roof with the total, the largest number of doctor degree nuclear physicists in the world. These guys were like, some of them like Einstein, they probably forgot to put their pants on, but they could tell you about neutrinos and um, it was awesome. I'm a pretty practical guy. I'm thinking, man, these guys have enormous brains, but unfortunately, many of them would not acknowledge God. They had a lot of facts. They had a lot of knowledge. They could teach me how to run a nuclear submarine. They could show me what to do, not to get into Those were facts. That was knowledge. It was good based on experience and based on theory to practice. But the revelation of God to recognize, where'd that come from? Who's the source of all power in life? So the difference between knowledge and revelation, knowledge is a bunch of facts. It's head stuff. But revelation Definition is making known something previously secret or unknown, divine or supernatural disclosure to humans. That's revelation. When, when we come and we come to this place of revelation, you, I've kind of listed this. Let me, let me look at the title for a minute. I would see the goodness of God. In fact, that scripture in 27, Psalm 27, 13, this just fell off the page the other day when I was reading the Psalms and I was like, I've had so many people in prayer ministry, families that have gone through anxiety, fear, depression, those that are struggling, even with suicidal thoughts. In fact, when you look at the, the terrible things going on with our services right now, the, the number of suicides in a particular day of despair and discouragement, the huge amount of anxiety medications that people are on, the fear. When we look at fear, anxiety, despair, depression, this scripture to me answers a whole lot of foundational truth. I'm gonna read it to you, that paragraph on the top of the page there. I would have despaired. This is David. I would have despaired. Or I would have fainted, some of your translations say. I would have despaired unless I believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Come on, David's, David had a story to tell. He was hunted by the king Saul, how many times did he try to send him? He sent crack troops. He sent the Navy SEALs of that day to find him, hiding out in caves, running out, hiding with the enemy over and over again. David says, I would have despaired if I didn't believe that I would see in the land of the living. Man, that just racked my soul. I said, I believe you. I'm going to see the goodness of God in the land of my living. That's not in the sweet by and by. That's now. Come on, this is truth. 
Then it goes on and says, be strong. But there's a scripture before it says, wait. Oh, no, wait, hold, hold on. I was good with the first sentence there. It's the wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Will you let your heart take courage? That's what the Lord, Holy Spirit. Tom, will you let your heart take courage? Sometimes I call up Miss Addie. Miss Addie, pray for me. She goes, Pastor, it's going to be all right. If she hasn't told me that a hundred times, I said, oh, Miss Addie, I know, but could you tell me it again? <laughs> it's going to be all right, Pastor. God's got it. God's got it. God's got it. I'm like, I know, but I, I, I need this revelation, right? This is knowledge. I need revelation right now. I need this to go from here to right here. From the head to the heart, God. Wait for the Lord and be strong. And let your heart take some courage. And then he goes on and goes, yes. David says, yes. It's almost like he's telling himself by the Spirit, you wait for the Lord. See, look at number one there. We got a whole lot of folks talking about things. And there's a concept of truth. But when the concept of truth becomes the conviction of truth, then I can have a behavior change. When this theory comes to be reality for me, my behavior will change. That's theory to practice. People can talk a whole lot about kingdom and the love of God. Let me see some motion in the ocean here, right? This is the reality of what God wants us to be foundationally have revealed to us. Number two, look at this. Bill Johnson speaks of this. I love this. This is a, We're part of the Bethel family, part of the Global Awakening family. This is foundational truth. It was probably two months ago. I've told you some. Two months ago, I'm in the health club, and I'm working on it. I'm sweating. I got my earplugs in. I'm listening to Fox News, and I'm pushing, and I'm pushing, and pushing. And this guy walks up. He's got his cell phone out. I don't know who he is. I've never seen him before, and I've never seen him there since. He walks up and on his phone and says, get back to the basics. He smiles at me and he walks out of the health club. And I'm like, okay, does that mean I need to work harder? Do I need to cut some more weight? What do you mean back to the basics? So I've been, I got this printed. I got it on my desk. I said, get back to the basics. I know there's a spiritual part of this revelation. And then Pastor Willie, I think it was a couple weeks later, Pastor Willie said, stay in the word. He preached that message, stay in the word. Because the word will set you free, right? It's full of living power. Hebrews 4.12, the word of God is full of living power. And it's able to cut between the soul and the spirit realm. So much of us are operating in the soulish realm. We're consumed by all the cares of life. And God says, now nah, cut right through that. Don't you remember what Matthew 6.33 says? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything you need will be added or given to you. This is revelation. Now look at these foundational principles. If you get these four principles anchored down in your revelation realm, in your heart, I believe you'll look at life very, very different. Number one, God is good. Well, pastor, you know, a lot of stuff happened is very good. God is good. God is good. 
Number 2B, I am significant to God. You matter. You matter to God. He goes on. We may look at a scripture. Remember it says that the sparrow says, why do you rush all around like the pagans do, worrying about food and clothing and all this? Don't you know every hair, you guys that have some hair up there, even if you have just fuzz, he knows how many are there. How many roots? There you go. God knows he goes, and if he knows one sparrow, now you get a hold of this. We know that this universe operates better than a Swiss watch. That God who is so big and so amazing, so incredible, so beyond what you and I will ever imagine, we kind of shrink him into this little mind. Oh, I got this concept of God. Blow your mind. You haven't got a clue. That's why Paul says in, in uh, it says in first, it's, oh, it's in Ephesians 3. He says, it'll take all of eternity. Let your roots go down into the marvelous soil of his love, though it will take all of eternity to understand the love and the goodness of God. Now, how long is eternity you're going to be searching this out? You're going to still have your mind blown when you're in heaven a million years from now saying, good Lord. No wonder wonder the elders fall. Glory and glory. This revelation... That you are more significant than a sparrow. A sparrow can fall right out there right now. God knows it fell to the ground and you're more significant than that. She says, why are you worried? Why are you anxious? Why are you afraid? What are you, what are you doing? Basically, Jesus, that's red letter. letter. Goes, come on. You're significant to God. You're a creation made from the foundation of the earth. Ephesians 2.10, he says, you're a workmanship in Christ Jesus. He destined unto good works before you were ever born, before the foundation of the earth. He knew who you were. He knows your DNA. He knows exactly where you live. He knows you live now. He knows what you're gonna do. And the only thing that interferes with you doing what he exactly wanted was your free will that is a gift, contrary to his free will. That's why David said, If I get a hold of this fact that God is good and that I'm significant, and then he goes on, I love this in Mark 9, he says, all things are possible. But there's a little caveat to those who believe. If, 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 all things, now I'm telling you, glory to God. There is this revelation when the you can look at it in Mark's Gospel, chapter 9. The father brings a demonized boy to the disciples while Jesus, Peter, and James, and John are up on the Mount of Transfiguration. And Father God is doing a revelation. It wasn't for Jesus' sake. Moses and Elijah show up. They're talking. The cloud descends, and the, the father says, this is my son. <laughs> he didn't have any issue with identity and authority and purpose. This is my son. Y'all, Peter, James, and John, now Peter's like, Let's build an altar. <laughs> ah, wow, Peter, I love you. So this, they come down off the mountain, and it's a mess down in the valleys, right? We go to these mountain types, and then we get back on the valley, the valley of the trouble. In fact, in, we were this, this week, we were in our intercessory prayer on, on Wednesday, and Pastor Mike brought out a scripture out of Hosea 2.14. I had a dream, a vivid, vivid dream that we were, I was on an urgent 
I was on a motorcycle, if you can, that's a scary thought, with no lights on, traveling in the snow on a, on a country road. And I had to get to the Valley of Hope home to deliver a message of encouragement and provision. And so we, we've been praying into the Valley of Hope and what that was all about. And, and it says in Hosea 2.14, it says, when you walk through the Valley of Achor, the Valley of Trouble, when you walk through trouble, God will give you an open door of hope. Come on. And so this message about God is good, I'm significant, and all things are possible if I believe. In Mark 9, when the father says, your disciples couldn't get this demon away from my son. And he says, bring the boy to me. All things are possible to those who believe. And he turns to the, the father turns to Jesus and said, help me with my unbelief. Jesus had all the belief he needed. Of course, he casts out the demon from this boy. And then later, the disciples come back at the house and said, so why couldn't we do what you did with that boy? And he says, this kind goes out by prayer and fasting. Two of the gospels say that. Others say by prayer. There's something powerful. First of all, there's different kinds of darkness. This boy was in a deep level of darkness with this demonic possession. And yet Jesus says you can deal with this kind with your prayer and your fasting. So you wonder why we're asking you to come and pray? Because there's stuff that's going on in our city and in our nation that we have to, to for us to get hit since the, the solar eclipse with two categories of storms like this. Come on, people, we got to pray. We got to ask the Lord to break this thing, to protect our nation. We have to ask the Lord to give our president tremendous wisdom. We better not mess with Israel. Genesis 12 3. Those who bless Israel will be blessed, those who curse Israel will be cursed. And when Jared Kushner is over there negotiating, and we don't know what's going on with the two state solution, woe unto us, United States. Come on, we need to pray and ask God. Raise up the prophetic voice. Our president's a new believer, I believe, and he's, he's open, he's searching, but he needs to have the prophetic people yes. around him that are going to show him the truth. We know he's not afraid to act, so Lord, let him see this word as truth. All things are possible to those who believe. And then D, the cross settles everything. Just sail on that for a minute. I don't care where you've been, what you've done. I don't care how vile it is. The cross of Jesus Christ, the blood of Jesus. You can't read one book in the New Testament that doesn't get you to this place. That by his blood, you have been redeemed. Here's a caveat. If you let it. If you let it. There are those that will go into eternity and stand before him never having made a full commitment of their heart to Jesus Christ. Don't leave here today. I've, had, I've closed a service on a Sunday afternoon, and within two, two hours, a man was dead, dropped dead. Now, praise God, he was a believer. When I did his funeral, praise the Lord, but there are those that visit here. I remember a few months ago, we had a man visit one time, and that week he died of a diabetic shock. One time, or maybe twice he was here. Don't leave here today. If you don't know where you're going or you've been walking in a place you shouldn't have been walking, make sure you have our ministry team pray with you 
before you leave here today. Because these foundational truths, they only apply to those, one, who are in covenant with God and believe him. God is good. Everybody say it. God is good. Come on, say it. He is good. You could add another one. The devil's bad. So, but we're going to focus on the good. I am significant to God. A little louder. God. All things are possible. If I believe. The cross settles everything. When it's all said and done. If we let it, it's going to be, the cross has settled. So when you stand in that great courtroom before God, when you stand before him in the great courtroom, it says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. It is appointed unto man once to die and then judgment. When you stand in the courtroom, if you have not received Christ, you're, I don't know who your lawyer is going to be. It might be the accuser of the brethren, Satan himself. Let me revealed to you all this person did, and there it is. But if you're there in the blood of Jesus and the cross has set you free, and he's your lawyer, he's the one making intercession for us, he stands at the right hand, and when that comes up as an accusation, not guilty, not guilty, expunged by the blood of Jesus, expunged by the blood of Jesus, not guilty, debt paid, debt paid, debt paid, that'll be a good day. That'll be a really good day. And then he'll say, come with me. Man, what a good day that's going to be. Like, oh, Jesus. Number three, discovering the unsurmountable greatness and the goodness reveals my own insignificance. Now, let me go here with this. Once we... Remember in Isaiah 6, I won't have you turn there. Remember when Isaiah the prophet, it says all of a sudden he's in the temple. Well, let's turn there. Come on. I'll give you a reference. Turn to Isaiah chapter 6. The robe of his temple, a robe filled the temple in Isaiah 6 verse 1. Isaiah's cleansing call, verse 1, Isaiah 6, 1. It was the year that King Uzziah died. That I saw the Lord. Whoa. He was sitting on a lofty throne and the train of his robe filled the temple. Now there's revelation. That's an open vision of a revelation. The prophet Isaiah, one of the greatest. The one who had Isaiah 53 who saw the persecution and the death of Christ. Proclaimed that. By his stripes we're healed. He's the one. He now sees this open vision of the Lord sitting on a throne. His robe filled the temple. Attending him were mighty seraphim, each having six wings with two wings that covered their faces and two that covered their feet. And with the two they were there, they flew. They were calling out to each other, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heaven of armies. The whole earth is filled with his glory. The voices shook the temple of the foundation and the entire building was filled with smoke. Can you imagine Isaiah sitting there like, oh my goodness. Then I said, it's all over. I am doomed, for I am a man, a sinful man, and I have filthy lips, and I live among a people with filthy lips. Yet I have seen the King of the Lord of heaven's armies. 
What a picture. He's there in this place of just complete amazement of the revelation. But then all of a sudden he realizes, oh no, I'm a man of unclean lips. But God doesn't leave him there. The seraphim flies, takes the coal and touches his lips. This is the revelation. So back to three. When we discover his unsurmountable greatness, when we start to go from knowledge, the Bible story, to the revelation of the King of kings and the Lord of lords who has done all of this, the revelation of, I don't know how you get there, but I remember when I saw all four of my babies being born, when they came and said, there's got to be a God. There has to be God. There's no way. When I see the unsurmountable, unsurmountable greatness and the goodness, all of a sudden I'm like Isaiah. It just reveals my insignificance, how small, how unholy, unprepared, how, oh, wretched man that I am. But he doesn't leave us there. He touches the coal to the lips. The man with the unclean lips, it burns away by the sacrifice of Christ. And the cross answers that. And then all of a sudden I realize he really loves me. When I get a hold of the revelation of the glory of God, when he hung on the Calvary cross and he said, Lord, forgive them. They have no idea what they're doing. Don't count this to them. When I get a hold of that revelation, then I realize the significance that he loves me, that he, he calls me his child. He asked me to call him Abba Father. I don't care what relationship you had with a father or no relationship with a father. He breaks in. He says, I will be the father to the fatherless areas of your heart, and I will reveal the Abba relationship of a son and a daughter to the one who is the most high God. And then he says, I love you, I love you, I love you. I didn't withhold anything from you. I gave you the best of my best. I gave you my son. When that revelation comes in, then all of a sudden I start to realize the significance. You don't pay a price like that unless you're paying a high price for something else. That revelation changes everything. I realize I'm significant to him. A workmanship. Acts 17, I've listed there in three. Acts 17, 28 says, in him we move and have our being. We exist in him. He holds it all together. You know, science, I love this thing. I have a whole file of science validating that the word is true. They came out recently, right, with this whole thing that there's a little red cross that in the lowest, smallest particles of man's infrastructure held together by this little red cross. Brings a whole lot of revelation to the fact says he holds the entire thing together. If he took his hand off this thing, we'd catapult into space. I love it. He holds it all together. We're significant. Your DNA, your structural makeup is held together by a little red cross. Anybody remember the name of that? Miss Nancy probably does. Laminin. Laminin. Good, Jenny. Yes. They got a name for it. It's, they, they pulled it up on this submicron scope and it says, there's a little red cross that kind of holds the infrastructure together. Lemon. I believe that's it. You can look it up. Wow. Well, number, f- number three goes on. 
to number four. It says, I want to shift now away from this. How many of us have been here before? How many of us get to see this kind of behavior? But what it does is it brings revelation to the fact that this person hasn't fully arrived yet. We've not fully arrived. When we self-promote, when we're looking for the applause of men, when you are pushing at the trough, Ezekiel talks about the, the sheep at the trough, the one that butts the other one out of the way. When sheep are butting sheep at the, at the trough, something's not right. Doesn't talk about goats. This is when the sheep don't have this revelation of their significance and their self-worth and their identity and their authority and their purpose in life, then they'll self-promote. And another form of this, if you have lust... Or you're greeting, you're, you're, you want something so badly, and you're trying to get it. What that says is you lack the revelation of your own significance. And we all battle that. Come on, there's anybody holier than thou sitting here, including me. So there's this place where greed and lust reveals this lack of our own revelation of who we are in him. Because you know Why? There is no position or service too low for those that know his true love. Let's turn with me. Let me give you an example of the one who is the most wonderful example. Turn with me to John 13. John's Gospel, chapter 13. John, I love the sound of those pages turning. It's awesome. Something about... Call me old-fashioned. I just like it. John 13, 1. Before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world and to return to his Father. He had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth, and now he loved them to the very end. It was time for supper, and the devil had already prompted Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. You know that was by greed, right? Judas took the bait by greed. He opened the door. He was drawn in. Jesus knew, look at this, verse 3. Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything. So he knew his Father. He knew his purpose. He knew his identity. He knew everything had come from the Father, and he would now return. He'd come from God and he would return. So he got up from the table. What's the first thing he does with that? He, he writes this revelation down. He, I know it's over. I'm done. I've loved the disciples. I'm finished. We're going to have supper and then they're going to go kill me. But what's the first thing he does after that revelation? He gets up with a basin and he washes their feet. He didn't have any issues with his identity. He didn't have any issues with putting the trash out or cleaning up the garbage, or picking up after. No issue with that. In fact, when Peter says, I'm not, you're not doing that. I know who you are. I was the one that said, when they said, who are you? I was the one that said, you're the Messiah. And you said, good job, Peter. The Father's revealed that to you. I'm the one. You're not washing my feet. I'll never let you wash my feet. There he goes again with those statements. I'll never. And he says, well, in that case, Peter, we're done. And then he says, all right, wash all of me. That's a good, Peter. Let's just do the feet, okay? I'm just saying. He didn't go further, but Peter finally got it. He said, 
You don't understand what I'm doing in verse 7, but someday you will. There'll be a revelation someday of who I am when, they, when you see me resurrected and headed to the, the, the glory cloud, when you see me being lifted up from the Mount of Olives by the angels, then you're going to know something. When that happens, that revelation of verse 7, you don't understand it now. You can't bear it now, John 14 and 15. But when the Holy Spirit comes, he will lead you and guide you in all truth, right? Someday you will. No, Peter says, never wash me. Then you won't belong to me, Peter. Well, then wash my head, my hands, not just my feet. Jesus replied, the person who's washed all over. But what about, he goes on and talks about the cleansing of the heart. When we look at this self-promotion, we say, look, that's why when the, the Spanish culture, I love them, in some of the countries they've come from, there's this hierarchy to see a pastor bringing the trash out is like, oh no. In fact, I get jumped. I'm bringing the trash out and one of them comes, pastor, no, 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 no. No, it's okay. I know the scripture. No, no, he wants to honor me. Okay, I get it. But there should be none in this house that are ashamed to change diapers to clean the church, cut the grass. There should be none of that. If you think somehow, well, I'm, I'm here and there. Okay, enough said there. Number five, living with unstoppable hope. This is, if you look at 80, Psalm 84, it talks about, again, the valley of weeping. Let's turn there for a second. Turn with me to Psalm 84. When I walk through the valley of Baca, weeping. Some of it says in verse 6, Psalm 84. What a wonderful psalm. It's about how lovely is your dwelling place, verse 1. Then it goes on and says, the joy to live in your house, verse 4. But verse 6 says, when, not if, when I walk through the valley of weeping. Some of you might be walking right there now. The King James says, when I pass through the valley of Baca, it will become a well and a rain. New Living says, a refreshing spring. See, we don't stay in the valley of weeping. Keep walking. Keep on walking. Remember in Psalm, let's turn back to Psalm, is it 23? Let's go back to Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. Say it real loud. My shepherd. He's my shepherd. Come on. Sometime when you're down and out, you ought to stand in front of the mirror and just shout it from your spirit, man. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. So that's that place where he says, I have all I need. I can rest in green meadows. Verse 4. Even when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. King James says that one. New Living says, when I walk through the darkest valley, some of you walking through dark, I see it right now. There's a dark valley clouding over. It's giving you a great deal of despair and discouragement and disappointment. And you're listening to the enemy. You're looking at all the circumstances. You're seeing what this child's going through with this love. The one you love is going through, all the wrong things they're thinking or doing. And you're in this place of dark valley. 
Lord, just keep walking. God is good. You're significant. All things are possible if you believe. And the cross will settle this. And that child is yours. That loved one is yours. That spouse belongs to you. Bring sanctification to that family. It says in 1 Corinthians 7, you bring sanctification. That's the glory of God. Even if they're unsaved, stay there and be in that place of intercession, living with that unstoppable hope. Isaiah 65, mom brought this on Wednesday at intercession. If you want to come Wednesdays, come on. We're going to be at 10 to 1130, and then we're going to shift it to Wednesday earlier, 9 o'clock on October 4th. Isaiah 65, mom, mom brought this one. There's a new wine in the cluster. There's a cluster of grapes, and it says, don't destroy the entire cluster. There's a remnant of a new wine. There is a remnant of new wine in the cluster. God says, I'm going to protect the remnant. He knows how to punish the guilty and save the innocent in the midst of, in the same storm. And it's going to fall on the just and the unjust. You can't live in this day and not read my, Matthew 25, Luke 21, Matthew 13, uh, Mark 13. Man, it's going to get wicked and evil out there. We're living in a time where it says men are ever learning to come to the knowledge of truth but never getting there. Paul told Timothy, there's this place they're searching, thinking they're all this wise. We're on an eve of nuclear missiles and a crazy man in North Korea. Lord, but we have no fear because God is good. And I have an unstoppable faith and hope in him no matter what happens He's got me. I'm significant to him. So I live with an unstoppable hope. I don't have to, number six, I don't have to be self-centered, seeking the applause of men. I don't have to attempt to pull something in that isn't mine to have right now. I can rest in him. You don't have to butt at the trough. You don't have to make yourself known. You don't have to push forward and preach or do a sermon or sing. Just be you, be God, let him lead you and show you. And in due season, he will lift you up. And here's the love well and serve well. Amen. Both family and pre-family. This is, this is really important, especially with all the negativity and gossip and hatred and vile stuff. It is a vile time. Here's a charge for me and for all of us. Love well and serve well. Even those that are not part of this family yet. They're pre-Christians. They're pre-family. He goes on and he says in 1 Peter, honor all men, even if they disagree with you. Even if they persecute you. I'd like you to turn with me to Matthew 5.11. When you become a Christian, you stand by. You're going to get it. I'm just telling you. I'm, I'm not prophesying. It's just the word. Um, in fact, it's going to be part of your reward system. He said, well, Pastor, I remember Pat. She's teaching today over there. Um, Pat, when she was the only, her and Phil were the only believers in their family. And praise God, I think they're all saved now. But there was a time there where they wouldn't invite her to the family birthday parties because all she wanted to do was talk about Jesus. And they said, no, we won't have any fun. You know, we can't break out all the stuff. And uh, so she came in one day to the office and she's crying, Pastor, they didn't even invite me to the, my birthday party, my sister. I said, that's really awesome. She said, Pastor, you, you, 
you're mean. <laughs> I rebuke that. You did. What did you say? What did you say? What did you say? <laughs> That's how I remember it, Pat. You, basically, you were crazy or something like. Right. Yes. Yeah, and so Pat, Pat stayed the course. I said, that's awesome, because you know what's going to happen? And I remember, when they've been falling like these dominoes, one after, when her brother Joe drove down from Long, it was a Long Island, New Jersey. He drove from Jersey, he goes, I got to get saved. He came in his, get Tom, get him in the prayer room. He got on his knees in the prayer room, I need Jesus. <laughs> he, he, praise God. Well, so I know that some, some of you like, Man, my family, it's like I'm, I'm getting attacked. They, they seem to make up things about it. Let me give you the scripture that goes along with this. Matthew chapter 5, verse 11. Blessed are you when men revile you and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. They may say things about you that are not nice, but if you, you know... What, when, you're witnessing, when you're the witness, you're the light in the dark place, then it says, for my sake, I want you to rejoice. Verse 12, rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. So when you walk into places, maybe at work, I remember... Um, being at work, and they were using the Lord's name in vain. And I said, you know, I don't really like that. You can't, you can't curse my God. You know, it's like, here he comes, the Jesus guy. And then I remember one of them had a heart attack, and they called me. And I remember the night. He was an awful operator. I was operating an off. He was my awful supervisor for a nuclear power plant in upstate New York at a secret site. And he called me, and uh, they had a heart attack. I just couldn't get to the hospital. And then one day, the Holy Spirit said, you need to go right now. Frank Flanagan needs to hear you right now. And it was one of these overwhelming, gripping things. I drove directly from the site to the hospital. When I got to the hospital, I walked in. I said, Lord, please, don't let any nurses. Just, I, need, I need a moment with him. Clear the decks, God. Let me get in there. I walked in. They had just taken off all of his hot monitor. He had a nitroglycerin thing, and massive heart attack. Probably wasn't going to be able to return to work. They had just took, taken off all the monitors. And I walked in, and tears started rolling down his face. I've been thinking about what you said. Thinking about what you said. Yeah. I got to pray with Frank. I left there. I said, Lord, I, I felt like I did the assignment. Thank you, God. What a great moment. I got in the parking lot. I remember looking at my watch because I needed to get home. It was a little before 7 at night. And the Lord reminded me. Next morning, I walked into work, and they said, did you hear what happened to Frank? I said, no. He goes, he died last night around 6.45 p.m. A few minutes after I left, I left him. He died. If I had made up some reason why I couldn't go there that night, there is this 
Men will revile you for my sake, but great is your reward. There'll be a day I'm going to walk in. Frank's going to be dancing on the... I've been waiting for you. Love well and serve well. This is only possible, number eight. This is only possible and really only sustainable. I've seen so many people on fire for God and they lose their fire. They lose their way. It's so discouraging, so sad. How could they be so on fire, God? I saw them lay hands on the sick in a foreign nation, blind eyes open. I saw it with my own eyes. They came back. They witnessed. And now they're broken. They're away. They've renounced faith. How how is that possible, God? The devil's come to kill, steal, and destroy. This is only possible if you stay connected to the vine. If you lost some of your fire, get connected to the vine. Get hungry. Find out what your defilements are and defile that spirit. If it's something you're watching, turn it off. Get rid of it. Disconnect it. If it's somebody you're hanging with, break that relationship. Come on, get, get connected to the vine. He says in John 15, I am the vine. You're the branches. My father's the gardener. Going to trim you. You're going to produce a lot of fruit. But I'll tell you, when he cuts that limb, it's like, good Lord. My wife does this thing. and She goes and she cuts these roses back. And I'm like, honey, you just plum killed that thing. She goes, no, 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 no. And then the next spring, it's like, good Lord, in the morning. You were right, honey. He says, that's what the Lord does. He's going to cut you back, but stay connected. Number nine, as kings and priests rule, I love this, as king, I got this down, right? It says in 1 Peter 5, 5, he says in verse 9 that we are a holy priest, a royal nation. Revelation 1, 6, he says you're a kingdom of kings and priests. So here's my charge to me and to you. Whatever you rule over, whatever you have influence over, rule with the heart of a servant. Not pridefully arrogant like I got my rights. Rule it if you're a father in a household, if you're a spouse, you're a business person, a business leader, wherever you are, a management supervisor or direct report, it doesn't matter. Rule your area with the heart of a servant but serve with the heart of a king because you matter. You are really, really important. And God says, you're one of my kings. You're one of my queens. And I love you with an unstoppable love. And whenever you're walking through that valley, just keep walking. He's going to lead you into green pastures. You're in a covenant relationship, and if you're not, so let's stand to our feet. I'm going to ask uh, worship team if you come with just some light background music keys. I want to invite the ministry team. If you'll come forward, you know who you are. You've been trained. I feel like there's, there's some here today that you just need to get some things squared away with God. You need to, first of all, our ministry team makes a commitment, a covenant to protect your privacy. You can tell them things because it says in James, if you'll confess your sin one to one another, you'll be healed, sozoed. You can confess it to Christ and he forgives you.
But something about the healing nature of God, some of you that are battling anxieties and fears and depressions, worries about loved ones that are off track, and it's going to increase this, the amount of anxiety in the world is going to increase. It says it's going to wax, evil is going to wax worse and worse, and the love of many is going to grow cold. But we need to stay as the lovers of God, open. We'll fight ISIL. We'll stop all the craziness. We'll, we'll put them down if they need to be put down. But once they surrender, we need to show the mercy and the grace and the love of God. Because America will only be good if America stays with God. That's right. So, Lord, I pray for this nation right now. Pray for our president. I pray for the revelation of what he should do with nations that are in turmoil. I pray a blessing over Israel and Lord that you'd give him tremendous revelation about being a blessing to Israel. I personally do not see scripture as a two-state solution. Now, I know I'm getting political, but thanks to President Trump, I can't be arrested now for that. So Lord, I pray right now in the name of Jesus, go read the scripture about those who divide his land will be cursed. Lord, I pray that you put an end to this, that, Lord, the revelation of Israel being the blessing state, the apple of your eye. So, Lord, we stand as a body of believers with Israel. We pray for that nation. We pray also for leadership that has a revelation, not knowledge, not a human fleshly resolution, but a godly resolution to this conflict. That you can move over those nations, over Hamas and Hezbollah, you can move in those nations, God. They could recognize Israel for its existence. And they could be a blessing. If they would lay down their arms, there would be peace. Israel would be at peace. We pray for the peace of Jerusalem. And now, God, I pray for all those. I ask that you'd make your face to shine upon your people. And let them find your rest, God, in the midst of the valley that they're walking through right now. We thank you, Lord. We thank you. Thank you for sparing us from these storms. I ask you to turn them away. We pray for Mexico right now with this 8.1 megahertz, mega earthquake, and then Katia, the smash there. Lord, we just pray that you'll raise up the United States with tremendous blessing. We will carry forth in all of these places. We see these amazing people stepping forward. Spirit of faith, I love these pastors setting up food banks and areas to hand out. People going in and by the thousands, the droves coming in to help out. Let your message go forth that Jesus is the healer and the lover of all men. Lord, raise up your people to make a difference. And Lord, we thank you in Jesus' name. God bless you all. Thank you for being here. Come for prayer this morning and don't leave here without prayer if you need it.